You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. We have a treat for you this Mother's Day. Uh, I'm excited that you get to hear the message that uh, Miss Kayla Dobbins is about to bring. She and her husband, Joe, pastor the Twin Rivers Church in St. Louis, Missouri. We've heard Joe a couple of times. Now we get the lovelier half of this duo and you get to hear Miss Kayla. Would you welcome her to the Mount Perrin North stage? Thank you for that warm welcome. Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. Um, Let me begin by saying how honored I am to be here at North. Um, I just think the world of your pastor, Pastor Kirk, thank you. It is a huge honor and I do not take it lightly that I'm standing on this stage to be able to speak to your people. Um, It was just a couple years ago that Pastor Kirk and Pastor Laura visited my husband Joe and I in St. Louis, Missouri, where we pastor. And the mark that Laura left on my heart and my life is immeasurably beautiful. Because when I think of Pastor Laura, I think of strong faith, like faith like a rock. And on Mother's Day, it's only right of me and right of us to give honor to her because guess what? I believe she's cheering us on in the grandstands of heaven today. Amen. We love her and we honor her today and who she is to this house and the legacy that she left for us to follow. Um, Turn to 1 Samuel 1. And while you do that, I'm gonna show you the best part of my life. If they have a picture, yep, there they are. That's all five of my children if you're counting, and my husband, um, 12 to one, that's the age range. And so needless to say, the Dobbins household is very busy, very busy, but I'm here because I believe that God has given me a, a significant message for you. If you're in the building or you're watching even online, I don't take it lightly that you gave your mother's day to be here, I don't take it lightly that every person under the sound of my voice is very precious and valuable in the sight of God. And I don't take it lightly that every time we open up the word of God, God does something through his word that only he can do in our lives. It is supernatural, it is a living word. So thank you for being here. But here's the hard reality today about your calling. And that is we can't live it out in the days ahead if we're still fighting with what's behind. So with that in mind, I want to preach a message today entitled, Feeling Like a Failure. Feeling Like a Failure. 1 Samuel 1 verse 2 says, Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle and each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Will you bow your heads and ask God to speak to us today? God, I thank you for this word. I thank you that your word, when it is preached, when it is read, it is alive, it's active, and you said when it, is, when it goes forth that it will accomplish all that you will it to accomplish. So today, as your word goes forth, God, I pray 
for every person here. I pray that they will be refreshed. I pray that they will be encouraged. And I pray that joy and gladness will mark their lives. I pray, God, I believe today that you sent me specifically to this service. You have anointed me to bring a word that binds the brokenhearted, that proclaims freedom to captives, that gives joy, the oil of joy and gladness for those who are mourning today. And I pray your will would be done. I pray you would anoint every word in my mouth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, memories are a funny thing. Things what we want to remember, like passwords and grocery items, easily escape our mind. But the things that we want to forget always seem to be lurking in the front of our minds, right? Like I remember one time, um, I can quickly recall actually many times that uh, I was so late picking up the kids from school because we moved homes last year. And so our kids had to move, well, they didn't want to move schools. So I had to drive them every morning to school and had to pick them up every day from school. And I was, not, I was late, not once, not twice, but so many times that the principal would actually remind me what time things started and ended. Can you say mom fell? Can you just say mom fell? Or the Christmas I bought Joe an electric toothbrush. Being a dental hygienist, I just assumed that he would love this toothbrush as much as I loved the electric toothbrush. But the second that he opened up that toothbrush on Christmas morning, his face told me all I needed to know. Can you say, why fail? Or just recently when I came to church feeling so accomplished, I cooked a great meal. I got all five children ready. I actually was sane in my mind. And I actually got to church and I was greeting people in the lobby when one of my friends came up to me and she whispered in my ear, hey, I hate to tell you this, but you have two different shoes on. You have, and I look, I look down and there, sure enough, I had a black boot on one foot and a brown boot on the other foot. Can you say pastor fell? But here's a reality of life. We are going to fail. To be human is to experience failure. So my mission today isn't to preach you into perfection, but my goal today is to address how we process our failures. You see, a single failure is not enough to derail a life, but it's when our all, all of our failures, big and large, begin to link together in our minds to create a feeling of failure. Like a prosecutor building a case, our minds tend to build a narrative. And we move from someone who has failed to someone that believes that we are a failure. You can tell a pervasive feeling or a pervasive feeling of failure is present in your life. When before you begin something, you already build contingencies as, why, as to why it's not going to work out. Maybe you walk in every room insecure, uncomfortable in your own skin. Maybe you get lost to scrolling other people's lives because it's easier to focus on their lives and scroll their lives than it is to live your own life. Maybe you're incredibly hard on yourself. Like if your self-talk was published, I think we would probably be very disturbed about how, or how you speak to yourself. Maybe you are stuck in your current season of life because to go on to what's next, you would have to dream. And you stopped dreaming a long time ago 
because you've settled into the thought that it's unobtainable. Now, I don't know if these scriptures or these symptoms describe you, but I do know that they described Hannah. And scripture gives us 39 verses of Hannah's life. And within those 39 verses, we see that Hannah is in the fight for her life as she tries again and again and again to have a child. You know, I know a few struggles that are more difficult than infertility. It is so painful on so many levels. And the people and the women that wage war against it are some of the strongest I know. So if you are one of those people today, I just want to stop and honor you. And we see you and God sees you. And he sees your pain and he sees your heartache. And he sees your grief. And I just wanted to honor you today. But even though Hannah wasn't a failure, I'm sure she probably felt like a failure. She felt like a failure as a wife. You know, she was unable to give her husband an heir. She felt like she was failing herself because she'd always dreamed of a full home. She probably felt like a failure as a woman because even in Genesis 1 verse 28, God commands us to be fruitful and multiply. I think there was probably many times when Hannah thought, I'm even letting God down. You see, as much as Hannah's story is about a baby, it's also about a burden that we all carry. Physical infertility may not be your issue, but I believe today that every one of us can relate to having a burden on the inside of us that of not being able to birth the outcome that we so desire. Maybe in our life, in our relationships, in our dreams, in our careers, and that's why we struggle with the feeling of failure because we have a preferred outcome on the inside, but you've just been unable to make it come to pass on the outside. Now, I know I told you a few more of my funny failures earlier in this sermon, but the real reason I chose to speak on this today is because it is a fight that I have fought. You know, the demands people place on us are a lot sometimes, but I think it doesn't compare to the demands that we place on ourselves. And for a great portion of last year, I found myself constantly feeling like a failure because I couldn't meet the demands that I set for myself. You know, I couldn't be, in my mind, I had to be the perfect mother to my five children who created these beautiful childhood magical memories every day. I had to be the perfect wife that cooked the meals and had the Joanna Gaines home, right? That's just perfectly decorated. I had to be the attentive um, daughter and sister. Um, I had to be the, the perfect woman that was always up to the latest fashion trends and in shape and, and, and go to the gym, which, by the way, that's a big fail of mine. But anyways, um, what about a, a perfect pastor's wife? I felt like I had to be um, available to everyone, always have the answers, always act godly. Now, when I list all of those demands out loud, I realize how illogical and silly that those sound but that's just where I was. And, and is anybody in the room a go-getter? Like you're just like a bulldog when it comes to your goals, when it comes to something that you want, you see like nothing can stop you. That's me. I am just, I'm a go-getter. But the problem with somebody like me, if, if it's not under the control of the Holy Spirit, is we can easily get caught up in striving. 
And so that's where I was. I was striving and I was powering through and I was striving and I was going to do all and I was going to be all. When eventually, after never meeting the mark, I developed this looming feeling of failure and it affected my joy. It affected my relationships. It affected my faith with the Lord. And I was in a really tough place for a certain season last year. And um, I got a video, like a Marco Polo from one of my best friends. And she said that she was praying for me. And she said the Holy Spirit really laid me on her heart. And she began to describe what I was going through and the, the, the thoughts that I was fighting and the, sh- the battle of strife that I was in and the exhaustion that I was in. And she said, I've been there before too. And she ended the message by powerfully declaring who God says I am and powerfully praying over me. But that message was so life-giving to me because it put a weapon in my hand. It woke me up on the inside. It gave me encouragement. And I admire this friend so much. You know, she's godly, she's capable, she's successful, but she has all those things despite her past. You see, because my best friend, she's dealt with immorality. She's dealt with a lot of resentment and pride. And I realized I don't look up to her because she's perfect. I look up to her because despite all of her failures, she never let them derail her or define her. Her encouragement reminded me of Revelation 12, verse 11 that says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. What this means is we win our battles through the work of Jesus, but the stories of others teaches us how to enjoy the victory. It teaches us we can do it if they could do it. If God brought them through it, God can bring me through it too. My friend's encouragement ignited something in me that day. And it reminded me that our faith is actually founded upon failure. Mary wasn't Miss Bethlehem. She was ridiculed and abandoned. Joseph wasn't a CEO. He was actually a lowly carpenter. The disciples weren't top of their class. They had flunked out and become fishermen. Jesus's teaching wasn't on the best-selling list. It was actually called heresy. Jesus didn't arrive in a limo. He had to borrow a donkey. Jesus didn't get elected. Instead, the crowd placed him on a cross. Did you know that our faith doesn't come from winning, but our faith actually comes from dying? And it was out of failure that God demonstrated there is no circumstance, no situation, no defeat or loss that he cannot turn around. The empty tomb of Jesus forever declares that no failure is final, no pain is permanent, and no person is too far gone that God cannot reach him in his mercy and turn his life around and bring that person back to life. Listen, if Hannah were here today, I believe she would do for you what my friend did for me. I think there are three things that Hannah would tell us today. And the first thing I believe she would say is you probably did all you could. As if Hannah's struggle wasn't difficult enough, scripture says she actually had another woman living with her named Panina. Now, when I first read that, I was like, can you imagine? There is no way. 
But then I was like, well, it would be nice to have another woman help me cook, help me clean, help me drive the kids, right? Women, I'm not the only one, I'm kidding. But the Bible says Panina was not only in the home, Panina was an amplifier to Hannah's pain because she constantly reminded Hannah of her failures. Now you may not have someone physically living in your home, but I bet you know what it's like to have that voice lying to you in your head or maybe the enemy saying, if you would have only handled it that way, if you would have only done it this way, if you would have only said this, if you wouldn't have walked away, it's torturing to think that our failure was avoidable, but most of the time that claim is simply false. And here's why, because God promises that he orders our steps. God orders our steps. Listen, the balance between our choices and God's sovereignty has stumped theologians for hundreds and hundreds of years. So I don't know, and you don't know why Hannah endured her season of pain. I don't know why she went through what she went through. But scripture is clear that the circumstances that kept Hannah from having a child were outside of her control, but they were inside of God's control. And I'm not sure why you've endured your season. I'm not sure why you've endured your loss. I'm not sure why you're still in the dark pit of depression and anxiety. But I do know that God is ordering our steps I do know that God never wastes a season. I do know he is good and that he remains faithful even when we're not faithful. And just because you don't understand the season that you're in or your past or what you've been through, he still loves you and he's never lost control. Another thing I think Hannah would say was you gave it your best. You cannot fail if you first didn't try to succeed. I'm sure Hannah did everything she could, doctors, medicine, and more, and I'm sure you did everything you could. You prayed, you cried, you invested time, you put out energy, but our best effort doesn't always guarantee an outcome. Like most of you, my phone is central to how I function in life. I have my calendar, my GPS, Amazon, and which is why it's frustrating when my phone goes dead before the day is done. And that happened to me just not long ago. And I brought it to my husband. I said, I think my phone, there's something wrong with my phone. And he opened it up and he's like, no, I think it's the 200 windows you have open in the background. And even though they're not opened up, it's still burning energy. And it's even though it, it continues to run and I'm not using it. And I believe that's where some of you are today. You're running low on emotional energy. You've tried sleep. You've tried adjusting schedules. You've tried medication. You've tried everything and nothing seems to help. And I believe today, if we could look at your heart, I think we could see that you're being drained by the stuff in the background of your soul. In the background of your heart, you still have failed seasons of life open. You still have the window of divorce open. You still have the window of defeat open. You still have the window of the bad decision open. But today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can choose to believe that God is good and that you gave it your best effort and it has to eventually be enough to close that window of failure in your life. 
Because if you don't, you're going to be distracted by the things that God is calling you to focus on. You're going to be distracted by what's in front of you and the purpose of God in front of you. So today I pray that you can choose now to close the windows of failure in your past. I also believe that Hannah would say, you got to get gut level honest with God. You know, maybe the most interesting detail in Hannah's story is how long she stayed in pain. Year after year, it's interesting because scripture notes that she regularly attended temple. She regularly offered sacrifices and she regularly engaged the God who heals. Like someone who is starving at a banquet table, how does one stay hurt even years when they're regularly around the one who mends broken hearts? I believe the answer is being around the things of God and being open with God are two very different things. You see, because honesty is our prerequisite to healing. I want to say that again. Honesty is your prerequisite to healing. You know, some of you have been part of a church, this beautiful church. Some of you are um, doing Bible reading plans. Some of you may be in 10 life groups, but you're still in pain because you've never shared the true condition and the true discouragement of your heart. Maybe it's because you think God would react poorly, or maybe you think if you ignore it, that eventually it will fade. You have your reasons, but I can tell you, God doesn't just work when you show up. God works when you open up. We don't know how long it took her, how many sermons, how many services, but at some point, Hannah decided not just to attend, Hannah decided to address what was in her heart. Look at 1 Samuel 1 verse 9. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. As she, pray, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, I, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am just very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Some of you have stayed silent with the Lord. Some of you are in a silent place with God. And today, he's calling you to pray with your anguish, to cry out to God with your great sorrow, because he will meet you right there because he's faithful and he's big enough to handle it. But scripture says she found a place, she knelt down and made the decision that says, I am not leaving this place until I'm healed. She told God how she was angry, how she was disappointed. Scripture says she refused to leave that place until she was healed, that she actually became hoarse in her voice. And that's what so many of you need to do today. Don't hold back because God can handle your honesty. And when you do, your honesty most likely will reveal some unhealthy beliefs. Namely that our sense of failure is most often because we live with a framework of performance, that we find our worth in what we produce. 
That's even the reason we struggle to go with God to God in the first place. I remember as a little girl going to my grandma's house with my brother, my sisters, and my cousins, and we would play this game that you've probably played. It's you pick a flower, and it's to determine whether a boy or girl has a crush on you. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. That's how so many of us relate to God. I read my Bible. He loves me. I'm 137 days behind on my Bible reading plan. He loves me not. I served at church. He loves me. I lost it on my husband. He loves me not. Though our human nature tends to believe this way, it cannot be any further from the truth because the Bible says that even while we were still sinners, even while we made no progress whatsoever, that Jesus chose to die for us. While we were at our worst, he gave us his best because his love is not based on who I am. His love is based on who he is. You may keep failing, but you aren't a failure because in Christ, you have been made whole and complete. Listen to what the scripture in Hebrews ten fourteen says. For by that one offering, he made forever perfect in the sight of God, all those whom he is making holy. I'm going to read that one more time because it's just that good. For by that one offering, he made forever perfect. Can he, everybody look at me and say, I am made forever perfect. Okay, that needs to be your motto all day. I am made forever perfect in the sight of God, all those who he is making holy. This means that Christ's people are perfected now in the sense that Christ's sacrifice puts away all of our sin, forgives us, and never brings our sin to mind again as grounds of condemnation. This first means that you can have full assurance that you stand perfect and completed in the sight of God. Not because you are perfect now, not because your behavior is perfect now, not because you always get it right, but because you are in Christ Jesus. I believe this is the revelation Hannah had as she knelt down and as she poured her heart out to God in honesty, I believe that God began to pour out his heart to Hannah and he announced over her, you are not what you produce. You are not how many children you have. You are not what you accomplish. You are not what you provide. I created you, my son died for you, my spirit lives in you and that's what makes you valuable and priceless. I loved you before you were ever born. I've numbered the hairs on your head. I sing over you as you sleep. On your worst days, I celebrate you. When you miss the mark, I remain with you. Nothing you do will ever change how I feel about you. You are not your success. You are not your salary. You are a daughter of the Most High God. But it was Hannah's gut level honesty and getting into the presence of God that began her healing. I believe the third thing Hannah would say was there's more to your story. There's more to your story. You know, failure is so influential because it appears to have the last word, but its power in our lives lies in the fact that it claims to be final, but it claim, its claims simply are not true. Look at 1 Samuel 1, 19. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel. 
You see, verse eight says that she was unable to have children. But when you go down to verse 20, we read that she had a son named Samuel who went on to become one of God's most effective spiritual leaders of all times. So what this tells me is failure is only possible with a partial story. If Hannah's story had ended at verse eight, then maybe failure would have a legitimate claim on her life. But because there is a verse 20, Failure has no claim on her life. So my question to you today is what if you're in your verse eight season? What if you're in your verse 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 season? The problem with most people isn't that they fail, it's that they believe the lie of the enemy that says failure is final. I read a terrible uh, statistic the other day. It said the highest suicide rate is among young people ages 12 to 25. Don't get me wrong, they are facing genuine, real, terrible mental health struggles. But the tragic thing is I believe they're just giving up too early because they're only in their verse eight. But I believe if they would turn to God and give God more time, that they'll see that God has a verse 20 prepared for them, that there is more to their story. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, maybe online or in this room, but if you are considering quitting, contemplating giving up, even pondering taking your life, listening closely, you feel that way because you have a real enemy. You have a real enemy that wants to take your purpose, take your life, but I'm gonna declare over you life and healing and hope and freedom today that you're gonna laugh again. You're gonna gain new perspective again. And the goodness, you are gonna see the goodness of the Lord in your life. Because Philippians 1, 6 said, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God has not brought you this far to leave you incomplete. There's still more to your story and you're not here by accident. So I pray today that God will lift you up out of that pit that you see, that he shows you the beautiful purpose that you have in him. As a matter of fact, not only is there more to your story, but when you finally see where you're going to end up, you're gonna thank God that your journey included this verse eight season, because you will see that failure forged you into a more empathetic, a more persistent, stronger follower of Christ. I think if Hannah were here today, there, she would say, there's nothing I would change because my verse eight season, my verse eight season of feeling like a failure was an important part of following Christ. So don't give up today if that's you. God's not done. And as we close, I wanna say that Hannah may not, if she could go back, she may not change anything about her story. But as I was reading this passage, I, th I thought I would wanna go back and correct Eli the priest. How many of you are with me? I hear you laughing. Before he jumped to conclusion about her, before he added to her despair, I tell him a priest doesn't need to be a voice that combat, or uh, to be a voice that, um, that agrees with what the enemy is saying. A priest needs to be a voice that combats what the enemy is saying not reinforces it. People who are fighting failure, they don't need discouragement, they need encouragement. 
Most of you have something in your home, you know, that is activated by your voice, whether that's your phone, a vacuum cleaner, Alexa. You see, and the difference between those devices and other devices is its capacity is related to, uh, to our voice, uh, connected to our voice. You have to say something for it to achieve something. You see, Amazon and Apple didn't come up with that te technology. God did. Did you know that? Because he has hardwired us to respond to the voice of another believer in our life encouraging us. Encouragement is different than prayer. Encouragement is harnessing the power of our mouths to declare God's heart over somebody else. I'm gonna say that again. Encouragement, and we all have the capacity as children of God, the ability to encourage someone else. And it's when you harness the power of your mouth to announce God's heart for somebody else. I'm gonna actually show you an example of that. As I prayed about this service today, I thought I'm gonna show them an actual example of what encouragement looks like. So I'm gonna bring Miss Savannah up on the stage. And as I, as I was praying, um, you know, before first service, I'd never met you before. But I just believe that God just wants to shine his light on you and just tell you that you're doing better than you think you are. That he's proud of you, that he sees you. That the attacks on your life that will come and that have come are more about the calling of God on your life. And the enemy is afraid of you. The enemy is scared of what God is doing and developing in you. And I pray that you will be encouraged today and you will have fresh perspective of what God is doing in your life. Because I believe that he has given you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And that the battles and the wars and the fights that are gonna come against you aren't your battles, they're the Lord's. So rest in him and be encouraged. You see, encouragement combats curses. It reframes failures. It unleashes potential. I believe that some of you in this room today are just an encouragement away from your next season. You're an encouragement away from believing again, from picking that business back up again, from trying again. So I'm gonna ask you to stand and I wanna pray over each and every one of you. And when I say amen, I'm gonna ask the prayer teams to go ahead and come forward. And if you need prayer today, by all means, I'm sure the prayer team members would love to pray for you, but they've been specifically instructed to allow the Lord to use them to encourage you today. So if you are in need of just supernatural encouragement, I want, you to inv I want to invite you to come forward. I just keep feeling like the Holy Spirit saying, there's somebody in here who's laid a business down, whether it's an idea or maybe, um, maybe it's just a failed business, but you've had thoughts and you've had dreams that maybe I should start that back up. And I, I pray that today that you will pick it back up because the Spirit of the Lord is speaking and He is going to help you and He is going to give you the capacity and the wisdom and the resources to do that. 
So as I pray and as I say amen, I want you, if you have been fighting with a failing or a feeling of failure, a feeling of discouragement, don't, don't look to your neighbor, just come and receive what God has. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your people. God, I thank you that they are victorious warriors of the most high God. I pray that you would start reframing the way that they see themselves. God, that you would do a supernatural work by the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. God, that you would do something that only you can do by your word, God, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. They say this mountain can't be moved They say these chains will never break But they don't know you like we do There is power in your name We've heard that there is no
hearts to God today. Just tell him that we trust him. Yes, Jesus, we trust you. We take you at your word today, that the promises that you've spoken to us, we will cling to them. God, in your strong right hand will hold us fast today. Yes, Jesus. You have the final say. You are. 
Amen, amen. I believe. Go ahead, give him praise. I believe by faith this morning that all over this room, for those of you watching at home, that there's some people moving from a, a verse 8 moment that Hannah was having in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8, to a verse 20 moment. Do you, re- do you believe that? You receive that this morning? It's going to happen. Amen. Amen. I think I said it last week in the prayer time. What I love about God is he doesn't just make promises in his word to people in his word. Those promises are for us too. Amen, amen. Happy Mother's Day to you. So glad you decided to worship with us here at at North. Moms, we love you. Uh, We've got a gift for you. As you exit out in either of these center doors towards the atrium, we've got a free gift. And it's not just for moms. Every lady here, we would love to honor you. Allow us to to give you a gift as you step out there. Also in the center of the atrium, there is a Mother's Day photo booth opportunity. So couples, moms, families, whomever you want. Hey, look, if you're a dude and you're here solo, go get your picture taken. We don't care. Knock yourself out, but it's there for you to enjoy. Just don't take the free gift. That's for the ladies in the room. If you're new here at North, we'd love to connect with you. There's some cards in the seat back in front of you, things that say, say I'm new, and a card that says uh, next steps. If, if you're looking to make North home or you just want more information about us, we would love to walk with you in your spiritual journey of, of making Jesus your king, and, and we pray North, your home church. Allow me the privilege to bless you as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he turn himself towards you, be gracious to you, and show you his peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response now from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. See you soon. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountbarrennorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.